Welcome to the Mind Talks podcast. You are with myself, Nathan, and my co-host, Edwin. Our special guest today is a licensed psychologist who specializes in sport and performance psychology. He is currently part of Premier Sports Psychology that deals with the mental aspect of sport. He is also a USA licensed boxing trainer and has trained a range of boxers and MMA fighters. Dr. Adam Gallenberg, a warm, warm welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here with you guys. Good, 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 good. I'm really excited about this one. So I want to start off slightly differently. So um, it was interesting. So I was going through your Instagram and there was a post that really stood out to me and it was quality recovery versus relaxing. Can you just talk to the listeners about that, please? Yeah, of course. Well, uh, I I would say recently in the past couple of months, uh, the concept of self-care has been a really popular topic for a lot of our coaches. And they're reaching out to us, wanting to talk to their athletes, their teams, their organizations on best self-care practices. And uh, a common theme that has popped up are really identifying different types of self-care. And and different types are, are, are things that we all need, but being able to really identify what those types of self-care are is really important and and often a piece that um is really difficult for coaches and athletes um to identify or or things that they've never really thought of before so my post on uh recovery versus relaxing uh was really trying to hone in on this idea that although both are great for self-care it can be so important to know what is truly helpful for us depending on what we're looking for. Are we looking for a time to relax after a tough training day and not and have our mind uh, binge watch whatever's on Netflix or have a conversation with a loved one or have a nice meal at dinner time? Or are we trying to engage our mind and body in some recovery aspect to prepare for the next practice? recovery time might be that um you know warm shower or the ice bath or um that mindful practice the meditation practice to get our mind uh settled down and prepped for the next day or even primed for that present moment it can be so helpful to know am i trying to relax right now or am i trying to recover thank you so adam we, we like to always start talking about people's um, first memory with sport. So what was your first memory growing up with sport? Oh, that's, that is a great question. I think um, <laughs> probably one of my first memories was actually going to a game with my family. So I am in Minnesota, the great state of Minnesota. And <laughs> I think I was about four or five years old going to a Minnesota Twins game with my family. And we were up in like the top seats, really cheap seats. Uh, But (laughs) all I remember was we had two home run balls come our way. And I just remember sitting there like, oh my gosh, how can someone hit a ball that far? And I, I just remember being there and staring out at the field, spending time with my family uh, it's definitely a memory that I cherish the most and um, just such a, a, 
a, a fun experience to look back on. It's interesting. So we don't really talk about this, but it's really, you know, going to, you know, whatever sport, but just going to a sporting event with your family, it has such a great feel to it. Can you just talk a little bit more about that feeling, being a, a young, young man and just being with your family and, you know, supporting the same team? Just talk to us a little bit about that important, the importance to you um, in your childhood. Yeah. Well, I, I, what I really like about kind of thinking back to these types of memories, although it was around sport, what I think back most to was just that connection we were able to build yeah. as a family, to have a shared experience, um, to all be witnessing the same event together, but yeah. all having different experiences um, all at the same time. Um, and it was just nice to have uh, a shared interest, a shared team that we were all able to root for and, and be there together. Um, I can't say that's the case for all our other sporting uh, events. Uh, our yeah. household is very split on football <laughs> teams over here. So that creates a different dynamic, but again, all, always fun. And, and I think what's so important about these types of experiences is that it's really not about the outcome. It's not about the outcome of whatever happened in that game. I'm, I'm pretty sure that the Twins won, so that was that's great. But <laughs> hmm. my mind always goes back to being in that row of seats with my sister, my mom, my dad, and just having that time together. And what, what was your first memory playing sports? So did you play quite a few sports, or was it just some in particular? Yeah, growing up... Um, I, t I, I tried to do everything uh, in, in, in the Midwest. Uh, baseball was really popular. So I started that at a young age, playing basketball. Um, I was interested in hockey, but ice time was so early in the morning. My parents both worked and uh, there was really no way I could get out there. So I never got into hockey, but I, I tried to play a lot of sports at a young age. Um, was uh, very invested in Taekwondo as well growing up. Um, so just engaged in a lot of different types of, of sports growing up. And it really wasn't until college. It wasn't until undergrad when I got into boxing. And, and that mm -hmm. was, uh, although pretty late to jump in the game, relatively speaking, uh, it was just a game changer for me. And I've been involved ever since. Before we go into boxing, would you say it was just innate that you wanted to play a variety of, in a variety of sports or was it more of the family support that really pushed you to go into those sports? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, my initial reaction is I think I was just enjoying my time with my friends and whatever sport I had an interest in or wanted to try out I had that family support there um, but my uh, my my parents uh, my sister they were never the type to um, force me into any organization yeah. or, or on any team um, it was just allowing the doors to be open and if there was an interest they would support me uh, there are ups and downs on on every team and even in times when I felt things weren't going well, uh, my family really pushed the idea of commitment and responsibility. Yeah. So it was never forced to be there, 
but also recognizing if you're going to make this commitment, uh, make that commitment to your teammates, make that commitment to your coach. Um, and those values really stuck with me. So I, yeah. I, I felt it was just having that, uh, the innate drive was really to spend time with my friends and that yeah. just opened the doors to really enjoying the game. And what was the reasons that made boxing stand out compared to other sports? Hmm. Um, I would say for me, it was just the very unusual journey that brought me to boxing. Um, I'll I'll try to make a long story short. It was my first year um, in college, orientation, freshman orientation, all the, the welcome events and activities. And I was getting to know um, a lot of people on, on my floor, in the dorms. Um, and I met this, I met this individual um, who was hanging out with some of my friends. And we got to know each other, spent some time together. Really nice guy, one of the nicest and uh, most genuine individuals I've ever met. And, and we, we got to know each other pretty well. Or at least I thought we got to know each other pretty well. Yeah. And uh about a week or so later when i asked my friend hey where's victor at uh just wanted to see if he wanted to get lunch uh she said oh he he went home he's in (laughs) training camp and i was like for what i thought he was a student um yeah Mm. and then they said oh he's a boxer and like I said, nicest guy I met. I didn't follow the sport really, really much like prior to that. So I didn't believe. I didn't believe them. I called him up. He said, you know what? Check out this clip. And there he is. Highlight clip of all these knockouts. And I was like, oh my gosh. That, that's the same guy. And it, uh, I'll never forget what he told me. He just said, yeah. Uh, just two days out of the year, you don't want to be around me, but the rest of the year, the rest of the days will will, will be good. (laughs) From there on, he's the one that brought me into the sport. I'm so grateful just for his, um, willingness to, to teach me, to bring me to the training camps, invite me to his team. And, um, from there, it, it, it really just sparked my interest and engagement in the sport ever, ever since. Okay. I remember the first time I went sparring and I, I took an absolute hellacious beating, an absolute <laughs> hellacious beating. And I remember leaving and thinking, do I really, really want to do this? And I came back and, you know, I think it was more of my pride rather than just my mindset. It was just my pride. I have to, I have to go back and I have to fight that guy again. And we, and I did, and I did. He still used to give me a, a hellacious beating, but I think I learned a lot from that so can you talk to us about your very first hellacious beating and what made you decide to come back I, i'll probably replace that word pride which which i don't <laughs> think is a bad thing to have well yeah yeah you know, i i think there's a lot of perspectives on on pride um i think it was just my drive my drive yeah. is what brought me back so Prior to my, I mean, that, that, that beating, that has happened. And, but prior to that, there'd be some light sparring sessions here and there. But I remember, um, and, and it was with this buddy of mine, 
uh, I'll, I'll never forget it. It was about the last 30 seconds of our second round together. He just went off. <laughs> and I was just getting destroyed. I covered up. And then I heard that bell. And he was just laughing, just saying, you know what? Sorry, man. I, I, I didn't mean to really do that to you, but I just wanted to see what you would do. <laughs> and so he's laughing it off. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I... I should probably get checked out if I have a concussion. Uh, mm. But he, that, <laughs> just that conversation afterwards, the camaraderie and his push just to say, hey, um, we'll get back at it next uh, tomorrow morning. And that's where it, it wasn't so much thinking about getting hit and all the hits. It was, yeah. how are we going to change this next time? What are you going to focus on tomorrow morning? You don't want that to happen again. Make sure you're moving over to the left side when you see my hand drop here. It, it was just some of the best training, the best coaching. And, and, and again, it was all about that drive. Um, yeah. Wanting to get better. Did you ever see people that were not able to take a beat and then from having a bad sparring session, they just decide, you know what, maybe it's not for me. I, I think we see that from time to time at, at mm. the gym. And as a coach and as a trainer, I actually take responsibility for that. Um, my role is whenever I have an athlete come in or someone who's wanting to develop their boxing skill set or wanting to prepare for the amateurs or maybe their first pro fight, it's my job to make sure that regardless of what happens in any session, they feel motivated, they feel supported, and they feel safe to come back. And, and I, wish, uh, I, I wish I could say all my colleagues are like that, but I've seen some, um, some negative coaching dynamics in the past. Mm -hmm. And that's where, when there isn't that coaching support, that's where I see athletes who might jump in the ring too, maybe a little bit too early, get beaten down, get knocked down, uh, get overwhelmed, and we don't see them again. Uh, I, I really see that being a lack of communication post-session with that coach or with that trainer to encourage them to come back. And, and that's where I always wish um, there was more of that development there for coaches and for trainers to always encourage, no matter what the outcome, Yeah. see you tomorrow morning. So can you talk to us about your first boxing club? What was it like? Um, what was the the early stages in terms of, you know, just getting um, adapted into, you know, your new surroundings, your, your, you know, your, your gym mates. How, how was that for you? Well, um, other than initially training with uh, my friend who, who, who fought uh, professionally, my first boxing gym experience was actually when I studied abroad that following year. Um, okay. And I studied in Sydney. Australia yep. for about six months and downtown Sydney, there was, uh, this gym that in their basement, they had, uh, the, the boxing ring, the boxing equipment, um, and started working with their team there. Um, so my first gym and club experience was, uh, being, you know, the outsider being there temporarily, but just having, such a fun time uh, yeah getting to know not just the gym culture but for me it was also getting to know the australian culture 
um, yeah. and, and meeting new individuals, getting different perspectives, different coaching perspectives, and always having that afternoon uh, a- after classes, knowing that the same group was going to be there. We're all yeah. trying to sharpen our tools. And, and I just found that supportive environment the catalyst for me to bring that back home and to yep. uh, start uh, training here and, and continuing to train. One thing that is major in all sports is discipline. So explain to us how, how discipline, how important it was in terms of the training when it comes to boxing. I'm probably a little biased, um, <laughs> but I think when it comes to boxers, these are some of the athletes in the best shape possible. Uh, yeah. Conditioning, strength, agility, speed, hand-eye coordination. And I think a lot of that bias just comes from the difference that boxing is compared to other sports, which is when you step in that ring, there is an actual threat to your livelihood. Yeah. There's a very big risk here. Um, oftentimes we talk about anxiety, performance anxiety and risk with a lot of athletes and how um, our, our cave person brain thousands of years ago developed to have a, a stress response to protect ourselves from any yeah. threats outside, from danger. And our modern day mind has adopted that. And yet in our modern day world, we sh- don't have to really be scared of a lion behind us right now or or those actual physical threats yet when it comes to boxing there is this actual physical threat still there. yeah um and that's an extra layer of performance anxiety where it, t- it r- truly takes that discipline to know okay i am probably going to get first I am going to get hit. How am I wanting to respond? How do I know that my body will naturally respond when that happens? And how can I take that next step to tell the other part of my brain, okay, left hand up, slip to the yeah. left, slip to the right, stay on your toes, create angles. It takes a lot of both mental and physical discipline when it comes to that, that, that next step. I could honestly write a dissertation on why I really respect boxers. And one of the main reasons why I respect boxers is making weight. Um, I guess my first question would be, have you had any um, fights, whether, you know, albeit be an amateur fight or professional fight? And if you have, can you talk to us about the journey of making weight? Because that is something that is so important and key. And, you know, there's some boxes, especially when they're, they're really on the cusp of going up, but it's still trying to cut down and still make the lower weight. And it's the, the mental strain and battle that they go through, you know, the sacrifice in terms of the eating, I think that really, really needs to be spoken about a bit more. So can you just talk to us about that mental battle when it comes to making weight? Well, I'm not trying to cut weight right now, but my mouth just got a little dry. (laughs) Just thinking back to to those weeks uh, of cutting down. Um, The, uh, again, another layer of discipline. Um, and 
that that weight cut journey is um I'll, I'll say this i think for the range of weight classes out there for the range of yeah. fighters um for, for all the divisions out there um it's it's going to be a very different journey depending on that yeah. weight class um i think my personal journey was uh tough in the sense where a- any uh any of my best friends my uh family members uh they will tell you that Adam likes to eat and that is 100% <laughs> true. So when it came to the nutrition and diet piece of preparing for for my fights that was one of the hardest parts. Um yeah. really knowing okay what am I going to have this week? Not just yeah. prepping but also making sure I'm still fueling myself properly. I'm not just thinking about dropping X amount of pounds, but I'm making sure, hey, this this weight cut needs to be a journey. It needs to be a yeah. healthy journey. There's going to be days where it comes up and days when it drops down. And to prepare for that fight, it has to be that same journey. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, we'll see fighters that come in unprepared. They're thinking they can take that last week. To, to cut down that water weight and weigh in. And yet that's still not the best position for the body on that fight day. Absolutely. So it, it took a lot of time and, and coaching and education for, for me to really best understand the, the proper and, and, and healthiest process when, when it yeah. came to that weight cut. It took a lot of discipline, a, a, a <laughs> lot of intentional behaviors and intentional planning so mate so making weight is one of the challenges what else would you say is a major challenge for someone who's who's a boxer a couple come to mind i think um injury recovery uh, is, mm-hmm. is one of the hardest challenges and and this goes i would say for uh, most athletes any recovery from an injury and then jumping back into the competitive environment for boxers, uh, an injury, uh, broken hand or wrist or concussion, putting yourself back in that position, risking that same injury is oftentimes one of the greatest mental barriers out there. Uh, so, so injury recovery really stands out to me um for, for boxers um i i also think uh that that mindset of just being present being in the yeah. moment uh for for a lot of the professional fighters that i work with it's either ways to drown out the environment pieces that don't influence the outcome which would be the crowd the opponents coaches the um you know, the comments being said, the commentators yeah. on the side, finding a way to identify the factors that are unhelpful and reframing the mindset to really focus in on where do I want my mind? What am I trying to focus on? What What is around me right now that will help propel me to showcase what I'm capable of doing? Um, so, so that present mindset I would say would, is, is another major challenge. Um, I, I think boxers, MMA fighters, 
uh, face and, and athletes in general, just being in the moment. One of the things that, or one thing I would say is that, and I'm probably biased that boxing training is probably the hardest um, type of training for any athlete um, because it's just, it's just madness. Honestly, just being, going to a boxing gym and just seeing what they put their body through is just something that I haven't seen in any sport. And again, maybe, you know, that does come from, you know, a slightly um, biased angle. Can you just really explain um, the depths of the training and where did you stand? Were you somebody that enjoyed going to the training or were you somebody that was on the opposite side and you just said, do you know what? I just have to do this. Where, where did you stand? Given that I only fought in the amateurs, my training camp was was very different from the training yeah. camps that I was part of as, as a coach. Um, yeah. So I'll speak to maybe two angles there. Um, for me, at, at the level that I uh, compete at, um, I, I enjoy the process. Um, I know that I'm taking care of myself. I know that I'm putting my, my body through uh, physical strain that I don't think I could get in other types of of training camps, and yet I just love that process. Uh, I love the, the individuals that I get to work with on a day-to-day -day yeah. basis, and not just watch myself grow, but watch others grow um, during those workouts as well. Um, being part of a training camp for the uh, professional fighter, it's it, it, it really is a 24-hour day. Um, uh, an example is they, they wake up 4 35 o'clock their warm-up is a five to ten mile run wow. for, for a lot of a lot of us normal human beings that is the workout for the week <laughs> but for these professional fighters that 10 mile run is their morning warm-up to then head to the gym get maybe get some mitt work in Maybe some light weightlifting just to, to keep the muscles going. Um, yeah. Have a um, a light breakfast, maybe uh, an early lunch around that time. Back to the gym to either, depending on the training camp time, uh, continue to work with coach uh, or um, get that sparring session in. And then you have that afternoon really to go over film. Uh, and, and that's where, depending on the fighter's team, uh, you need to put that time in. Watching film, watching that sparring session, really detailing and picking out pieces to get ready for the next day. And then that evening, same thing. Five to ten mile jog. The evening, cool day. Wow. And watch, watching these, these professionals basically run a marathon in a day, <laughs> every day of the week, <laughs> just blew my mind and yeah. my respect for any fighter that steps in that ring i immediately go to thinking about these training camps that i've yeah. been part of because i know they are all putting that type of work in and it's something you don't see it's something that the majority of the public does not see and just my respect and admiration for the athletes willing to go through that whether it's to support their family or to work towards that championship. I, I just have all of the respect in the world.
Yeah. Is there so being a, being a, a boxing coach? Is there any boxers that you work with that, when it comes to sparring, they're exceptional. They they're knocking people out, but then when it comes to to fight night, they just freeze. Mm. There's uh, worked with a, a a few individuals where that practice to competition shift. Mm. You, you you see it happen. Um, and as a psychologist, it's also my job to really help these fighters address that mental shift. And and Mm -hmm. one of those pieces, um, with, with some of these fighters has really been not to tell them to calm down because when it comes to competition, it's okay that they feel stressed. Yeah. Okay. That they feel nervous. And typically you tell someone to calm down. They're not going to calm down. Mm. So I try to help these fighters reappraise the situation where the jitters, the nervousness, the tension on fight night is really the body's way of saying, wow, this is important. Wow, this, this is meaningful. Let's get you ready. And if they can make that mental shift of seeing their sense of tension as a primer for excitement, they're more likely to feel a little bit more relaxed on the pads, feel more yep. warmed up, and transfer what they've done in practice, what they've done in sparring, to fight day. So um, that's the approach I, um, I've really been taking with a lot of my athletes where we see that mental shift between practice yeah. and performance, and it's really just saying, it's okay that there's a difference. Let's help the mind recognize that change to yeah. your advantage. I remember being at my friend's and I was watching Floyd versus um, Sugar Shane Mosley. And I remember in the second round, Sugar Shane hit him right on the, on the button and then Floyd buckled. And I was scared. I was thinking, no, he's going to lose that. Oh, and I remember the rest of the fight. Floyd won pretty much every round and I think that really stepped up my respect for Floyd because he was going through something he he got hit not just by a boxer by a hard hitter someone who's naturally bigger than him and I guess my question to you is do you train or do you um get your trainers to visualize when the going gets tough how are they going to react when the going gets tough a hundred percent, a hundred percent training and working on those visualization and imagery skills. There's bodies of research that shows the impact imagery can have. Okay. Yeah. So when it comes to practicing and visualizing adversity, and in this case, getting your bell rung. Yeah. <laughs> how do we practice that mentally is often one of those key pieces. And I, I, re, I, I am clearly seeing that shot in my head <laughs> right now, those knees buckled. And to, to your point, as, as far as uh, and really giving Floyd credit there, oftentimes when, uh, if you see him in the corner, he acknowledges when something did not go his way. He's in the corner saying, man, he got me. 
He got me there. Coach, mm. he got me there. Yep. Nope. He got that. He got that cross in. He got that cross in. And he's repeating and acknowledging what happened, which I, I, I believe allows him to then take that next step of how do I want to change this? Yeah. Versus, oh my gosh, he hit me. What if I get hit again? What if I get hit again? What if he catches me again? That's where that self-doubt, second-guessing can really creep in. So watching Floyd in the middle of those rounds acknowledge when something has not gone his way, I really think has been one of his keys to changing that throughout the round. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. I think he won the, the rest of those, those the, the rest of the 10 rounds in that fight. Yeah. What got you into sports psychology? That is a great question. <laughs> I, um, academically, I, um, I came through uh, psychology and counseling psychology background, um, really focused on providing therapy and uh, mental health diagnoses to the general population. Um, what got me into sports psychology was partly because of my coaching background and just the enjoyment I had training boxers at the time. Um, but what I started to notice during my uh, doc program was I was doing one-on-one therapy w- with clients and I was also doing one-on-one coaching sessions. Yeah. Uh, members wanting to learn how to box. So this is with like the general public. And I had this guy in the ring and we we're just doing some mitt work, some easy, you know, Jab, cross, hooks, rolls, jab, cross, slip, crosses, some some nice basic combinations to help him get used to throwing punches. And when we were wrapping up the session, he started bringing up, oh, I needed that. I've just been stressed out at work. Um, Talked a little bit about uh, family concerns. And in that moment, it hit me because he was saying things that I heard earlier in that day providing one-on-one therapy. Yeah. So I'm either in a therapy, therapy room or a boxing ring. I'm hearing the same things. Yeah. So that's what drove me to initially to one of my first studies, which was to um, interview other coaches and trainers and ask about their experience hearing mental health concerns from the clients. And everyone else who did not have a psychology background shared instances and stories and memories um, where their clients would bring in mental health concerns to them. And oftentimes found out that the personal trainer is someone that this, that these individuals would talk to and they're not seeking therapy. Yeah. So going through a psychology program, it really opened the doors for me to advocate for psychologists to gain more engagement with personal trainers, exercise professionals, um, and, and realize, hey, yes, we do therapy, we work with mental health, we work with mental performance skills, and yet we are not the first individual someone's going to come to. We yeah. need to work with the coaches. We need to better communicate with trainers because we are missing out on a whole population of providing care. So that coaching training experience is what I think 
brought me to sports psychology, which was working more so with athletes. But yeah. it was my coaching role that really, where it kind of clicked. Where I was like, wow, uh, so many people are not going to therapy. So many people have that help-seeking resistance. Yeah, How can I still provide that type of care in, in a different role? Um, and that led to exercise psychology and sports psychology. Okay. What would you say is the greatest misconception about being a sports psychologist, whether that comes from your clients or whether it comes from the media or the wider community? In your opinion, what is just the biggest uh, misconception? I think for, for our clients, oftentimes they think that we just talk about sport. And for a sports psychologist to, to even have that type of title, you need to have a counseling or clinical background uh, yeah. to, to be a licensed psychologist. And sports psychology is just another specialty. Yeah. So I think oftentimes athletes will come in and sometimes I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be asked, hey, can we, can we talk about something else? I'm like, yeah, what's on your mind? And they'll, they'll bring in some family dynamics or some maybe anxiety uh, with academics or anxiety at work. And um, it's, it's always uh, interesting to remind clients that we cover the spectrum, things in sport, things out of sport, things going on outside of your sport life might be impacting your performance, your, your sense of performance might be impacting things outside of sport. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a dynamic that's unique to every individual and just reminding them what you're coming in with we can address that. And if we yeah. can't, I will do everything I can to refer you to the right individual that can help you with whatever that concern may be. I think we see it a lot in sport. Like I've spoken to Nathan many times about certain individuals in, 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 in different sports. And you can see that there's stuff going on in their personal life and their levels of performance just drops dramatically. And I think sometimes people don't realize how much that can link together and how much your, your personal life can impact your performance. It's, I, 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 I think we could say that for uh, non-athletes as well, where things going on in their personal life are going to Im impact what they're doing at work. And whatever their job is, whatever their career is, um, we, we see that influence, that, that dynamic, that, um, that overlap all the time. And so, so often uh, as fans of certain teams or, or certain sports, um, if there's one thing I can advocate for, it's to, to remind people, hey, when we're watching these athletes, they're human beings too. Yeah, and when we can take that step back and even just have a small sense of empathy to their lives outside of sport, I think that's just really gonna connect us on a whole new level. Um, yeah. yeah. When a psychologist has problems, who does a psychologist go to? So I'm just thinking sometimes. You know, psychologists, they're doing so much for others. So without you getting too personal, when you have your own problems, how do you deal with it? Do you use your own um, techniques? Do, is there another doctor that you lean on? What do you do? That is a great question. 
the reason why I'm still boxing and training is when I'm done with my my work day, I get to go to the gym. I got my <laughs> My 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 stuff on right now. So right after we jump on today, or jump off today, I'm I'm heading straight to the gym. Um, <laughs> we talk. So there's one aspect of, of self care for me. Being outside of the therapeutic environment is so important, and yeah. being engaged in the physical uh, aspect of boxing is, is so helpful for me to release any stress or to uh, have my mind focused on something else. Um, so there's that distraction there, but also again, boxing, there's always something to learn as far as being able to reach out to others. I think as psychologists, we have an advantage, or at least I would say, um, at our practice at premier, we have such a huge advantage. I work with some of the most amazing colleagues, uh, and I, I feel so grateful and blessed to be with some of the best experts in the field. And when it comes to our own stressors or our uh, things in our personal lives, we understand that connection between work and personal lives. We give each other time to consult. We take time throughout the, the, the week or the month to consult with one another, to check in with each other. Um, because we know how close that connection is. And I'm not sure that a lot of other businesses, careers, jobs really offer that type of space, but at least with uh, our, our practice at Premier, we definitely value not only each other as colleagues, but each other as people. And we make sure to put that time aside to check in with one another. Hey, you know, how, how was uh, your, your partner's um, exam, uh, yeah. weeks ago, or, Hey, you know, you, you brought up this going on with your family. Like is, is everyone recovering? Okay. And just giving each other that time and respect that we're human beings outside of our roles. That's like, yeah. this I think is one of the biggest advantages that we have. Okay. So we know that sport psychology is growing in a lot of sports, um, across the world. How big is it in boxing? I hope to make it bigger. <laughs> uh, my, my, it's again coming from that biased lens, being in both of these roles. I am surprised that it's not a bigger part of the sport, only because we can see and, and we we have that one-on-one -on -one matchup. Yeah, two equally talented individuals both going through the training camps, both going through film, both going through all the sparring sessions, both going through the weight cut. And yet, oftentimes, you'll hear the commentators, you'll see the crowd, and we'll even witness, wow, they, they looked off. Wow, like it must have been a mental thing. Wow, uh, boxing, the stigma or the phrases, they didn't show heart, uh, which might be a whole other podcast. <laughs> But that's, that's why I'm just surprised that there isn't more uh, of that advocacy. And yet I do yeah. think even in the past two, three years, it's been great to see a lot of fighters out there, boxers, MMA fighters, advocate for the importance of mental health. And yeah. normalizing 
that process. And, and my hope is the next two to three years and then the next two to three years, it becomes part of the process. Just like the, the weight cut, the nutrition training, the strength and conditioning, sports psych and, and mental coaching is a component that is just normalized in, in every training camp. I want to turn your attention to sleep. Now, I've been watching a few podcasts on sleep and even the difference between sleeping 5.5 hours to 8.5 hours is a massive gulf in terms of your impulsivity, in terms of, you know, your, your burning fat. Um, can you explain um, to the audience just really the importance of sleep because it's such an underwhelming subject but yet it's so important so can you just explain that please sleep uh maybe going back to that first question yeah sleep allows us to recover it is part of the recovery process um if someone is preparing for final exams or trying to memorize a presentation for a work function. Studies show that if you get the proper amount of sleep, that is giving your brain time to recover, to restore and retain that knowledge that you're putting in versus not having that, that downtime to allow the brain to rest and, and recover. So sleep, I, I, I know it sounds maybe a little cliche to say, you know, give yourself the eight hours a night. But again, time and time and study after study shows that that's about the amount of time it takes for the mind, for the body to get the recovery time that it needs. Mm. What do you think are the three most um, important ingredients for someone who's in boxing to, um, in terms of their mind? You guys are asking the, the, the best questions here. <laughs> questions. I love it. Um, and, and this one, you know, I guess even as, as a coach and psychologist, I should have ready here, but wow. Um, <laughs> I think the, the, the first thing that stands out is having that growth mindset. Um, yeah. Popular term and, and concept that's been around for a while now, but I, I guess when I say growth mindset, I, I really define that as the foundation for learning. Um, that that true belief that skills are are built versus innate, and committing to the process of learning, and committing to the process of growing. So, growth mindset, key piece. Uh, I, yeah. I think that also goes into taking a hit. Uh, getting punched in the face is not a failure. It's mm. a learning experience. And those that are in that fixed mindset might have that second guessing, those self-doubts, um, the sense of fear creep in versus someone with a growth mindset is, this is going to happen. What's my plan? When this happens, what am I wanting to do instead? Um, so growth mindset, I think is key. Um, being persistent. Um, and, and what I mean by that is working with various fighters in their career, persistence is something that I've seen as such an important factor to have because a career can be a roller coaster. 
Um, and for some, it might be that undefeated record and then that first loss. It's regardless of the outcome that might happen, being persistent and, and, and really disciplined in that approach um, is, is often going to lead to um, that, that victory, um, that, that outcome someone is looking for because they're being persistent and consistent with their training, with their focus, regardless of the outcome. Um, you said top three things, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> and and as, as silly as it sounds, um, uh, balance. Ha- having that, that balanced mindset, which uh, immediately for me goes to sleep, goes to recovery, but also really encouraging fighters to know what their value is outside of sport. Yeah. So values that they can live by outside of training camp, whether that's um, caring for others, um, that might be making a, a meal with uh, their, their family member um, and intentionally providing in that sense or call, calling home, calling mom and dad uh, and to, to have a conversation and um, just talk to one another. What, what, whatever that balance is and that value is outside of sport, I think is, uh, again, one of the most important factors to have going through any career but but really for fighters when they're not in the ring how can they still live a meaningful life to them a value yeah outside of the sport speaking of getting hit so um i remember listening to a podcast years ago and it was about this myth of Oh, street dudes make, you know, the best boxers. And he gave a lot of examples uh, in, you know, British boxing, guys who are not from the streets, but yet, are, you know, are world champions, European champions, etc., And guys who are perceived to be from the streets and they're still at um, domestic level. So I guess um, my next question is, have you dealt with, not necessarily for someone from the streets, but have you ever dealt with somebody who may have had some, an attitude or a behavior where they came into the gym, they got an absolute pummeling, decided not to come back, but yet you reined them back in and actually got them back and pretty much as a success, whether it's they've been an amateur, whether there's professional or just the sheer fact that they just continued coming. Do you have any stories similar to that? It's about maybe four or five years ago. We, yeah. um, with just one of the general classes uh, I was training at the time for, for the general public, um, yeah. we, we had a group come in and thought they were tough. They thought they knew the boxing game. They, they watched <laughs> UFC fights. They watched, you know, fights on TV. Oh, this is not a big deal. Oh, we just got to hit this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, like, all right, you know, I, I'm done teaching right now. If you want to glove up a bit, let's go. My my coach at the time was there and like, don't hurt anybody, but they're, 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 do, they're doing a lot of this. You can, you can train a bit. So you gave each of them about 30, 45 seconds. And um, that, I, I think that humility piece sunk in. Of yeah. Where 
It's one thing to watch. It's one thing to hit a heavy bag, but it's a whole other thing to get in the ring. And one of the guys came back. One of those individuals came back and was wanting more. And, and, and really, I think it was his drive uh, that re- where he realized, wow, this is not only harder than I thought, but I wanted, I want to do this again. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't take credit for that, for, for him coming back. I think that yeah. some of that initial um, intrinsic motivation to learn the sport. Yeah. He came back, joined the boxing club, joined the team. It was just amazing to watch his, his own career grow. Yeah. That initial experience. When you look at some of the current crop of boxers um, out there, which boxers stand out to you in terms of their mindset? Current boxers, um, you know, I I think most recently um, we saw uh, the news about Ryan Garcia uh, backing out uh, of his fight in July to take care of his mental health. Yeah. And I give him all the respect and all the credit in the world um, to put himself first and to know what he needs to take care of himself, to take care of his family. And I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of responses and comments to that, but I think even being able to do that at such a high level and being so vulnerable and public about that takes true um, courage. So um, I guess his name really stands out because that was very recent. Um, I, I, uh, M- Manny Pacquiao. I, I know he, he's still fighting. I, I, I <laughs> he's necessarily uh, maybe in his prime, but he's still world champion caliber so that's pretty cool to 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 see and for me when i watch manny it's a lot of the outside of the ring work that he does um his humility and gratitude to others his appreciation for his team uh his uh charity work to his country uh is just I, I think something to really look up to and he's doing all this while fighting guys half his age and still winning. <laughs> it's just still blowing my mind. So um, a, a, another fighter with a mindset that I have great respect for. Well. Okay. In the UK, I think you look at the sports in terms of popularity is football. You've got rugby, you've got cricket, um, you know, some specs um, in the country will look at tennis. And I think due to, I guess, um, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, Dillian White, um, and probably promoter Eddie Hearn, they've really, you know, helped boxing um, rise since two, um, 2012 Olympics, but still is still lagging behind some of those sports. If a young person is listening, and potentially they would like to join boxing. Why should they join boxing? Hopefully by, by this point, they're hearing how uh, 
taxing it is, and yet for something so taxing and so grueling and and scary to be in, there are so many people that are wanting more of it. And mm. I think even just trying to figure out why someone would want to come back after getting beaten <laughs> is kind of intriguing, uh, interesting. So if if there is a listener out there wondering why anyone would want to get punched in the face, I would encourage them to find a, a, a local gym that has uh, what I would say great reviews on the coaches and the training staff, because that'll be the first step to foster that type of supportive environment um, where stepping in and out of the ring, they're going to want to come back. My last question to you is basically to do with some of the boxing matches that are coming up. So obviously one of the most (laughs) anticipated fights um, to come is, well, when it does happen, Tyson Fury against Anthony Joshua. So I would say, I would ask you, so when a fight is being is taking so long to to happen, how much of an impact can it have on one mentally? Um, especially if one feels like they're in their prime at the time when it's first spoken about, but maybe when the fight happens, they're not quite in the same shape. Edwin, the, the, the first word that popped up in my head was discipline. And, and, and mm. you brought that up earlier today. Um, I, I think about... In cases like this, the more disciplined fighter is going to come out on top. Now, between Fury and Joshua, I, I don't know who that is. Because I think in both of their most recent fights, I thought Anthony Joshua showed a lot of discipline to come back after, after the upset. But then to yeah. showcase his skill set to make those changes to face the same opponent, I just thought was um, I gave him all the credit right there. Where his resilient mindset to come back really showed through. And with Tyson Fury, um, what stands out to me is his fight with Wilder. Wow, I mean, when we talk about flips and rolls, I was like, man, if, if, if this guy can do it, myself at a buck 40 should be able to slip that. <laughs> but man, he, it, it was just fun to watch. So I think um, with that fight coming up, really going to be, I, I think, coming down to the more disciplined fighter that night. Okay. So there are two boxes that come to mind. I won't name them. I'll just describe um, one recently um, lost. He seemed unbeatable in his weight class. He lost to um, a young gun who was just, you know, stronger than him. And, and at one stage, he just, you know, this person who just lost his, you know, undefeated record. He just looked literally unbeatable. There's another fighter that comes to mind who um, got knocked out. And it's been about a year now and he's kind of really stayed under the radar, been very quiet. Some call him deluded. But my question to you is with with either of those individuals, if you was their sports psychologist, how would you train them to get over their first defeat? I think one of the first steps I would take is validating whatever emotion is there 
the hurts, the pain. It is nothing to get rid of. Yeah. It's okay that that hurt, that pain, that disappointment, that depression yeah. is there because something was lost. Yeah. Um, so, so really setting that foundation to normalize that reaction is one of the first steps I would take. And then addressing the process. Um, the process of what they felt um, might have led up to that moment or things getting in their way or distractions mm. or anything going on in that process that they would want to change. And then start identifying, okay, yeah, what's in your control here? And we, we, we can't control uh, who the opponent is or when the fight is, where the fight is, who the uh, ref is, who the judges are. A lot of that's out of our control. The comment sections in any social media page, out of our control. But what task are you wanting to accomplish today? Yeah. It is in your control for you to take this next step forward and, and, and really taking it day by day in that sense of providing that autonomy as well as that yeah. empowerment to get that. Okay. Last question. Sporting heroes. Who are your sporting heroes in terms of a mindset perspective? So specifically um, looking at the mind, who are or who were or are your sporting heroes? And I'd say, especially with boxing, one of my favorite fighters has always been Miguel Cotto. Um, oh, that's a great show. I just always and, and continue to look up to his humility and gratitude that he shows to others. And for someone at when he was uh, in his prime, um, and, and even near the end of his career, the gratitude and grace that he showed other fighters uh when he fought canelo uh when he fought pacquiao uh any of these his fights he was always giving grace to the opponent and credit to his team and that was just something that i always looked up to um i'd also have to uh, uh outside of boxing I, I how can you not look up to serena williams her championship mindset is just something else and you know i i don't want to misquote her but um she said something along the lines that being a champion isn't about the wins it's about how well you are able to recover from when you fall and yeah. when she speaks to her career and that resilient type of mindset i always get amped up I'm just like, yes, I love that. I love hearing that. And then I'm ready to go, go, go work out at the gym. Um, so, yeah. Uh, th th those are two athletes that really stick out to me as uh, athletes that I look up to specifically, not just for the accomplishments that they ha had, which are yeah. amazing careers, but the mindset and the um, grace they show to others. Dr. Adam 
Gallenberg, that was a great one. And we are definitely going to have you on because we need to have uh, a boxing special, specifically looking at predictions for future fights. So, yeah, we definitely need to get that sorted. Um, so, yeah, really, really, really appreciate you coming on. If people want to get in contact with you, um, how can they get in contact? Best way would be to find our page at premiersportpsychology.com. Um, our provider bios are there. Uh, my, my email as well are, are on all my social media pages. Um, that would be the easiest way to get in contact with me. And always, I'm always happy to reach out to anyone that has questions about sports psychology, boxing, upcoming fights. It's, it, it's, it's uh, what I live and breathe, and I enjoy every second of it. So all, always happy to chat. <laughs> Thank you, thank you very much. Guys, until next time, thank you very much. But you know, I forgot something, guys. You know, regular listeners know I forgot something. So let's go back a step. So guys, if you are a new listener, welcome aboard. If you are a regular listener, thank you for listening. Continue to share with everybody that you know. And until next time, guys, stay safe, stay healthy and bless.